Good morning, it's Pastor Julie Lewis, and we are in our second of the series, Flip the Switch. And today we are in the Gospel of Mark once again, starting in 8.34 and going to 9.1. And Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, is anyone here ever confused about what Jesus is trying to say? Sometimes I have to read things two or three times, sometimes slowly, and most of the time in several different versions to begin to make sense of what he might be trying to tell us. And most often, he takes whatever we think we know and turns it upside down, makes what we think is good, bad, and bad, good. Save your life to lose it. Lose your life to save it. Rejoice in your sufferings. Be glad when they persecute you. It's so hard to understand. And I have to admit, this saying of Jesus is a tough one to crack. Jesus says that there is no profit on earth that compares to the value of our soul. Money can't buy it back if it gets lost. In this episode of Flip the Switch, we're going to take a good hard look at what it means to lose your life in order to save it. And what it means that in saving our life, we lose it. It sounds so deep, so difficult to grasp what he means. But Jesus always has a way of flipping the switch and lighting up the darkness so that we can comprehend what he teaches. In John 10.10, Jesus says he came so we may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life doesn't sound like suffering and sacrifice to me. So how do we get that abundant life and not lose our very soul as we do? So let's start with what he says first in our passage. Jesus tells us that if we want to follow him, let us deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. One of my favorite sayings, when I know someone who refuses to see that train wreck just about to happen in their lives that's obvious to everyone else, is that they are living in Egypt, you know, living along denial. By definition, to deny means to declare something is false, not true. To refuse to believe something, to reject it. To refuse to recognize or acknowledge it at all, to disavow. To restrain oneself from indulging in something. Now, which definition is Jesus using in our passage? Well, in a sense, I believe all of those definitions come into play here. Denial can be complicated. I watched a documentary a couple of years ago about a woman who was searching for her biological mother. It was a heart-wrenching story. She had been abandoned at birth, left by a garbage dumpster in an alley, and a woman riding her bike through that alley found her and took her to the hospital. Her story made the national news as her rescuer became a hero, and she was adopted by a good family a few weeks after her hospital stay. As an adult, though, she wanted to know the truth about who she was and the identity of her mother. 
wanting to know how any mother could just abandon her child like a piece of garbage. With modern genetic databases and people who call themselves genetic detectives searching those databases for familial matches and relatives, she felt she might have a chance to find her birth mother. The big surprise came when this genetic detective found a half-brother. They had the same mother, different fathers. This younger brother had also been abandoned as a baby, left at a convenience store by the newspaper racks. Then came an even bigger surprise. There was a half-sister as well. And she was, you guessed it, abandoned as an infant too. This time on a front porch in a quiet neighborhood. Wow, three abandoned children. What was this mother thinking? These three children, now adults, felt like this mother had denied their existence, denied them the life that they were meant to live, and had rejected them completely. All that denial, like I said, <laughs> denial can be complicated. So from this story, maybe we can understand what it means to deny other people. But what does it mean to deny yourself? If any of you have been on a diet or some kind of healthy eating plan, you should really understand one definition of denial, which is making the conscious choice to restrain from eating things not in the plan. And usually they are the very things we desire the most. Ice cream, candy, desserts of all kinds, chocolate. We deny ourselves the pleasure we get from eating those things. Is this the kind of denial Jesus means, that we deny ourselves pleasures in life? Well, to a certain extent, I think that is what he means. Come on, let's be honest. Just like there are foods that tempt us with amazing taste sensations, we know that those very foods are the ones that can be detrimental to our health are killing some of us slowly but methodically as we continue to indulge. Just ask a diabetic who can't seem to stop eating high-sugar foods, a cardiac patient who can't stop adding salt to their food. Deny yourself, Jesus says. Restrain yourself from succumbing to temptations and to sin. It could be food, but there are so many other behaviors in our lives that are also slowly but methodically killing us. Drug addictions excessive shopping and spending to keep up with the Joneses, draining the earth's resources for our own creature comforts, a lack of exercise, an unwillingness to forgive, holding on to hatred and anger, and well, I'm sure you can think of others. You see, Jesus is saying that we start with self-denial. Start by taking a good look at what gives us pleasure in this life, what the world tells us is fun and makes us happy, and weigh it against how good it really is for us and how he tells us to live. Think about someone who gets a rush out of driving a car as fast as it goes. We may get that rush for a moment, but it does nothing for us in the long run and can steal the very thing that is most valuable to God our life. Would that rush be worth it if you die a painful death as the car goes out of control and crashes? Would it be worth it if that crash took the lives of other people? Deny yourself. One meaning of this statement is that we are to put the good of others ahead of any sort of momentary personal pleasure. 
to actually learn to get our pleasure from the happiness and well-being of others. That's my Jesus for sure. And if you know Jesus, you knew that already. But that's not the only layer of meaning for this call to deny ourselves. He goes on to explain, saying, those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. In this statement, Jesus takes our self-denial even further. Here is where he calls us to actually give up our own plans, give up what we want our life to look up like and our ideas of a successful life and surrender them all to the plans God has for us to live our lives as followers of Christ. For my sake and for the sake of the gospel, he says. And if we remember 2 Corinthians 5.17, our faith in Christ gives us a new life. And here is where Jesus calls us to embrace that new life and put away the old one. I'm sure that most of us have those dreams and ideas of what we want our lives to look like, those markers of success in our own minds. You know, for me, when I was young, I wanted to be a teacher, and I could imagine what my life would look like as a teacher, loved and happily teaching children to achieve their dreams. And at some point, I started to want, really want to be a wife and mother too. Having those three things were my ideal of a perfect life, would make me happy. And I prayed that this is what would happen. So take a moment. What were your dreams when you were young? Or if you are still young, what does your dream of the future look like in your mind? Life didn't exactly work out the way I wanted. But I did manage to achieve all three of those dreams. I did teach high school for six years. And although I was happy I got that opportunity, that job was not what I expected. And I learned pretty quickly that nothing turns out the way you dream. One of those life lessons, I suppose, because I think that's true for most of us. The dream is never that place of peace and joy we anticipate. We usually have a skewed idea of what being a success at our dreams looks like. And my dreams of being a beloved wife and mother gave way to the reality that both were harder than I anticipated and certainly not the bed of roses I imagined. See, when we bring our own expectations as the measure of success, we don't have the capacity to get what we want. Jesus tells us our lives will never measure up to our dreams and that even the lives that accumulate the most creature comforts, hold the most power, gain the most toys, in the end only bring you heartache. I think about the lifestyles of some of the rich and famous, people who seem trapped in their own homes because people won't stop trying to get something from them. They can't trust anyone to be their friend because their money and power are probably what they're really after. They can't even go on a walk through the park and just be themselves because someone will notice them. They will know who they are and come making their demands or make videos of their every move to sell to some news agency or tabloid. I'm sure those people dreamed of being rich, being famous, but what actually happens is not what they really wanted. It's not the abundant life they were hoping for. They have lost, indeed lost, their true selves in the pursuit of worldly success. 
And this is just one example of saving our life only to lose our soul. We can have everything in life we call success, but we often lose ourselves in the process. So how do we save our lives, gain our souls, and still have an abundant life? Can we have a joyful life and follow Christ? Of course. The only way we can, though, is to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. On the cross, Jesus carried our burdens, our sins, and not only willingly, but happily gave his life so that we could live. When we pick up our cross, we are doing the same for others. That's one reason forgiveness is key. We are called to forgive others, no matter what, because we've been forgiven. Holding on to bitterness and anger steals our lives from us, and forgiving releases us from all that pain and gives us peace. Only one of the markers for that abundant life our faith in Christ gives to us. The mark of a human being made in the image of God comes from how and who they loved while they were on the earth. The ultimate sacrifice is to give our physical life, as Jesus did, so that someone else can live. But every day, as Christ's followers, we are called to give up our own dreams and plans, those things that give us momentary pleasure for the good of others and for the good of the world. Now, sometimes that means giving money to charities like UMCOR that help others rebuild their lives. Sometimes that means volunteering and giving our time to make life better for others and provide a sense of value and security to let others know that they are not alone. Sometimes that means restraining from saying or doing something mean or hateful, even when we have been wrong somehow and in doing so, discovering the peace that passes all understanding as we love like Jesus. Each act of kindness, of service, and denial gives the gospel message and brings love to this world as we stop worrying about our own pleasures, what we want from life, and focus on sharing the love of God with others, sacrificing it all for the joy of the Lord. We receive so much more. We get our pleasure in serving others and seeing the impact it has on other lives. We get that abundant life, and it's so much more than we can ever dream. As we remember the heroes of 9-11, I think about what their sacrifice gave and continues to give to the world. I listened to a survivor who was one of 54 people who started down the stairs from the 100-something floor. He was only one of only seven that survived that trip. He talked about passing the firefighters who were going up to rescue others. He saw in their eyes that they knew they were probably going to die. But they went anyway. They couldn't help it. Couldn't stand by and let others die when there was even a chance they could rescue them. This is what Jesus is talking about. Not all of us, though, will be called to give our physical life for others, but the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that all who live and believe in him will never die. We are called to give up our notions of a successful life, a self-centered life, and dedicate it 
to sharing the love of God, to sharing the gospel in whatever way we can. Our joy, our abundant life will naturally flow through us and into the world as we do. Nothing can steal that kind of joy from us. God takes all of our suffering and he makes it good. So when we're given the opportunity to help someone out, even if it doesn't seem to fit into our plans, do it anyway. If we're given the opportunity to indulge in something that can actually steal our life from us, it's time for denial and restraint. As for that woman who abandoned her children, they did find her. She was the woman who found the first baby girl by the dumpster. In her life at the time, having another child would have made life hard for everyone. In denying her own motherhood for those children, she gave them a better life than they might have had with her. Loving, losing her own life as a mother saved the lives of her children. And we can judge her, but in the end, how can we possibly know the impact of her sacrifice? She lost her own life in order to save theirs. In business, there's something called a profit and loss statement, and it shows the business income and weighs it against the expenses to determine how much profit the business made. And if the expenses are more than the income, then there is definitely a loss. If the income is more, then it's called a profit. Jesus is giving us the foundation for our spiritual profit and loss statement, but it works completely counter to the world's version. Jesus tells us, the more we give away, the more we deny ourselves, and the higher the cost to us, in the world's definition, the more profit we make. The only way to reach our full value in this life is to give our lives away. The more we give, the more we receive. That's profit and loss in the kingdom of God. So give, give, give. Give everything, all of yourself away. And let the profit of our abundant life in Christ overflow. Amen.